Hey guys, I hope that you guys are all safe and well and not going too crazy during this time. But if you are, that's okay. A lot of us are, and that is why I had Kate on the show today. Kate Nelligen is an equine partnered life career coach. She's a writer, speaker, healer, and she's devoted to the human animal bond. She bridges leadership strategy with spiritual psychology in her work with corporate teams and organizations to help create healthier cultures that thrive. So I thought Kate would be a great fit for this podcast, not only because a lot of us are horse lovers and we know about the equine connection, but also because we could use some grounding right now. So that is what she is going to speak of. Kate also pairs her intuitive gifts with those of horses to help women in transition deepen their emotional intelligence and improve their relationships. I figured we need this now more than ever. She's a TEDx speaker, best-selling author. She's the founder of Synergy TV, and she recently left her VP marketing role in corporate entertainment to pursue her calling in personal and professional development. I'm so excited to have her on. It's a great interview that will ground us all. Here we go. Hi, I'm Rebecca Britt, and this is the Stable Moments Podcast, the show where we discuss all things related to the foster care system and early childhood trauma. From foster parents, trauma experts, former foster kids, and beyond, We'll take a deep dive into the complexities of the foster care crisis in an effort to better understand how to fix it. Well, thank you so much, Kate, for coming on and talking to us today. Um, I know that your background is as um, an equine therapist and you do healing and you do speaking and you give spiritual guidance and that's something that we could all use. I think that we could all use it right now and foster adoptive families could use it, you know, all the time. Obviously we could use it all the time, but I think it's more heightened right now. And as I was thinking about this episode, I was thinking, oh, well, we need to have a mental health check and we need to help people feel grounded and give them some resources for mental health during this time. And then as I was thinking of how coronavirus has in has impacted our daily lives, I was really realizing that this is how foster and adopted families feel often because their worlds are changing. There's often a lot of uncertainty, um, instability, or at least the children that are coming in have instability. There can be chaos. So new normals are routine for them. So I don't think that this is specific to where our world is right now, even though it's heightened. And I think that it is prudent for me to offer this kind of material anyway. So I'm glad that it came about in this way. So to kind of start it off, where do you think we find balance between us being able to honor ourselves, honor our true path, what we feel like is right for our family, and maybe what may not feel right to others or other people we're working with or our partners or even our kids? Like where do we find the balance in our path and others' paths? Yeah, it's such a great question. It's been interesting as I've been going through this, I'm realizing that my truth around quarantine is somewhat different from others. I, When it first happened, I actually started to have energy of joy and acceptance and relief. And then I, I thought, why? When so many other people are stressed out, upset, angry, really afraid of what this could could change and i realized that a lot of my perspective was because of how much personal growth work i've done and knowing that the so as hum, as humans we don't always change through pleasure although i think we can we, we don't always change through, through joy but we change through hardship and that i believe right now we do need to change so there's that element of could we find a little bit more of an embrace of what's happening rather than a push against. And that goes also with partners or with others in relationship that there is, there's compromise sometimes when we may view it differently than someone else and to allow someone the dignity of their perspective and their process because we're all at different levels of our own awareness, of our own consciousness, of our own growth. 
and someone because someone is you know here on the mountain and you're here all it means is that you spend a little bit more time climbing it doesn't mean that you're right and they're wrong or you're good and they're bad it just means you spend a little bit more time climbing up that mountain you have a little bit of a different perspective of everything than than the person that's here so i think it comes down to how can i because i love this other person or I'm willing to see their point of view, how can I embrace even just 5% more of maybe what they're sharing? And then how can I also fully embrace what I'm feeling and know that it's right for me, right? Like the worst thing I could do is feel guilty that I was feeling elation or joy about what was happening because then I'm lowering that, that energy of and the thing that is important right now is we need people, some people to represent that this is okay, right? Because if every single one of us was like, the world's ending, we would have a higher collective fear or anxiety. So there are, there are folks who are like, this is gonna be okay, we're gonna get through this, this will pass. Um, but I think it's, there's an element of the balance piece is how can you be willing to be neutral on their perspective and listen and be compassionate, but yet hold what's true for you, right? And I have a lot of clients that I speak to who are really afraid, but I'm not going to jump in and be like, you're right. It's so scary. Oh my gosh. And be afraid myself. Sure. I'm going to stay where I'm at, but also help them um, with where they're at. So does that kind of make sense about how to meet in the middle through some of these energies of like compassion and neutrality? Yeah. And maybe it doesn't have to be action oriented. Like you're saying, like, to honor and acknowledge your thoughts and your feelings and your path. And maybe that's enough. Like you don't need to be physically doing the things that you feel are aligned with your path right now, but acknowledging like this is your truth rather than stifling it or feeling guilty that that's how you feel. And I think that a lot of people in a lot of uh, caregiving spaces do that. We, we encounter some sort of uh, emotion of ourselves where we maybe feel like this is tough or this is hard or this is unmanageable. And then the first thing we think of is like, how dare I think that because somebody else has two more kids right now or somebody else has somebody in the ICU or somebody else has something, you know, everybody's always gonna have there's always going to be someone that can illustrate a tougher path. Um, so yeah, I think the first step that you were just talking about was the acknowledging mm -hmm. and giving your, yourself that kind of permission to have your own path. And then it kind of frees you up. Like once you acknowledge, Oh, I have my own path and I have my own, and this is where my perspective's at. It actually, gives permission for somebody else to have their own, right? Because if you're acknowledging and honoring yours, it would only be appropriate for you to realize that everyone has their own perspective and path. Yes, 7 billion something people on the planet and 7 billion perspectives and realities, you know? And that's, we have to remember that, that we're not gonna be, I think some of my suffering in the past was believing or thinking that other people should be just like me. And that is that causes suffering. It causes that againstness or the comparison. And a coach once said to me, comparing is despairing. But what we have to do is really come into that place of, of respecting our own truth and respecting someone else's truth and not trying to make them wrong or right. I mean, that divisiveness that we've seen in this country, even around politics, it has really separated us. And right now, what I feel that all pandemics or all terrorism or all challenges, they are, they are moving us there. There's an opportunity for them to move us closer together, for us to unify in the fact that we are humans. And right now, never before has the entire global community shared a similar experience, which is going inside literally into our house, but going inside to our psyche, into our beings, into our, our mind and our hearts and understanding that we're in this together. And so, and we're all humans, no matter what we look like or, you know, we are all humans. And so we can find a way to unify from this. And so if we can hold that as a value and as a priority, which is more connection, which is really what we all want, 
then we will not necessarily feel this need to be like, you're wrong. Why are you feeling that way when I'm this way? Right. It's like that whole energy of who's right and who's wrong. It's, it's time for it to go. I love that. And something you said about, you know, there's no change without suffering Yeah. and seeing suffering as an opportunity, seeing like kind of the, oh shoot, like stuff has really popped off as like seeing the opportunity in the challenge. And so how do you suggest that we find like this opportunity for change, which I think if you ask a lot of people, they would say, yeah, I feel like we do need change. So if this is the opportunity for that change and whether it's change within your house, change within your day to day, like how you handle life, what you prioritize, you know, what you value or just in general, you know, change in society, how do you, how do we identify the opportunities in this challenge so that we can focus there? Yeah, that's a great question. For me, that's starting with knowing that change is okay and change is normal, right? And that it, we're always changing, that, you know, that whole there's nothing constant but change, but to allow and accept change rather than fight against it, um, because it usually is always for our highest good that things are changing. And to identify specifically what it is, if, you know, I always think of if you were to go in four months from now and talk to kind of a future self what would you have wanted to have changed, right? So even journaling on that or talking into a voice memo or sharing it with someone, what is it that you would have wanted to have changed for the better for yourself and for society? And I I recently posted a question on social media about if we are moving forward to a new world, what, what experience do you want to have, right? And so it's really starting to get clear about what does the kind of outer world look like, right? And it may be more ways that we can really respect nature because we're seeing how beautiful and clean the air is becoming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or, and it may be really specific things for ourselves. How are we um, changing on the inside? How are we more accepting? How are we more patient, right? And patience probably a big thing, especially for a lot of parents right now that they are getting tested to the you know, thousands degree on how do they stay patient when they have more responsibility now than ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're getting opportunities to cultivate a lot of this right now. So I think it's becoming accepting change and then becoming clear about what it is that you would like to change. For me, it was, I just, I really have always wanted better self-care and now I'm forced into better self-care because the distractions of going out to restaurants aren't there and I'm, you know, I have to take my vitamins to stay at a healthy immune level, right? So we're, we're, I got forced into it. And so I'm super grateful for that. But what does it look like for each and every individual, right? Um, and they may learn things through this process about themselves that, that they didn't know before. And that's great. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I love the, you know, in four months, if you wanted to see a change, what would that change be? And how can you work towards that? I, I absolutely love that reflection. Now, I do know that um, there's a lot of parents that listen. And right now, they are being tested, like you said, and feel like there isn't extra time. If anything, they have the least amount of time that they've ever had. They might be trying to work from home and have their kids at home and trying to homeschool. I don't even, I don't know that any of doing all of that at once is even possible. Correct. Um, But like as much as it's like, oh my gosh, we wanted this break. We wanted to be able to have a change and have the world kind of stop so that we could be reflective and so we could make the change. But like, I can't hear myself think. Mm -hmm. So how do we treat ourselves well? And be really intentional when we feel like, or we literally can't find the time or the space to be alone or look inward. Yeah. So it's such an awesome question. I think there's, there's two things. One of which is the inner side and then what I call the inner game. And it is, it's the mindset. So I saw a great meme that said something like, you are not meant to be a parent and a full-time teacher and a partner. And, and still, I know some people are still, you know, working obviously. And so it's like, how are you supposed to have four full-time, three full-time jobs or four full-time jobs? It's, it's not possible. 
So first, the biggest thing is to take all the pressure and expectations off yourself that you can. And I know that's hard. Most of us are conditioned, myself included, to have high expectations, to feel like we should be running 100% on all cylinders. We're not right now. And we have to give ourselves credit that more is being asked of us than ever before. So if you do one tiny little thing, which is you're drinking a little bit more water because it's good for you right now. Um, when you do that, give yourself credit. Like when you take the sip, just be like, I'm taking care of myself. You're going to anchor in the script that in every moment that you are taking care of yourself, that you're giving yourself credit. The moment that you breathed and you were paused with your child, instead of wanting to just like, you know, raise your voice, give yourself credit because so much of the time we just think, well, we should be that. We should be great. We should be perfect. And so then there's like higher and higher expectations. Whereas if you're just doing a, if you're just doing a good job, a decent job, give yourself credit right now because more is being asked of you than ever before. So those little pauses, you'll start to create an inner script that you are good, you are a good mom or dad, you are um, doing the best that you can. And that to me, like the biggest game changer in relationships for me has been from Louise Hayes' book, um, uh, you can heal your life, but it was really that the mind-body connection and how the body responds to our thoughts. And it really was this whole, everyone's doing the best they can with the resources available to them and the awareness that they have. And think about it, the resources you have available to you, you don't have your normal resources, mm -hmm. right? Your daycare, we can put your kids and, you know, your, the, the teachers that you were counting on. I mean, there's so many resources that you don't have. So you are doing the best you can with the resources you have. And if that's all you tell yourself every day or in each moment, instead of saying, I should be doing more, giving yourself that credit for that one little thing you're doing that will start to completely change the way you look at yourself. So that's the mindset side. I do have an action side, but I want to pause there and see if you have questions on that. But No, I love that because, and, and I was going to, even myself personally, I'm totally, usually have everything under control as far as like work and grad school and my kid and being wife and, you know, whatever. And I'm just like, I've told, asked myself several times, like, what are we cutting out? And it might be half a day's work. When things have seemed impossible, I have allowed myself to say, like, it's because they are. Yep. And so you are going to go on an hour walk with your kid right now because that's what that is priority right now. And it's in that hour walk that I notice things that I've never noticed before. I mean, even the houses, like, I'm like, I didn't even know this house was next to my house. Like, <laughs> I mean, like just things that I never have seen before. Yeah. Um, that I've been able to see in my surroundings. So I, I try to find beauty in those, even though I totally have a personality that would let me go through the whole walk, beating myself up for the conference call that I just had to cancel. Yeah. So, so I, I hear everything that you just said. And um, I think that, I think that's totally beautiful. I would love to hear the action side. Well, you just led so perfectly into that, which is, you know, what I find so interesting is this, this whole pandemic is helping us stay in the present moment because everything is changing so fast, right? There's new orders coming out, there's new information coming out constantly. And so all we have is this moment. And as you know, working with horses, the horses are always grounded in this present moment, right? It's one of their best teachings for us is to get feel like your two feet on the ground are as powerful as a horse's four feet to really stay anchored and grounded um, because when you're in your body, you are more in the present moment, you can make better choices. But what I love when you do this walk is you're noticing things and it's one of my um, good friends lives near me, one of my friends from high school and she takes her kids out on walks now and she noticed a baby owl that she had never seen before and it's like, it's like the highlight. And she's like, I saw the baby owl again today. And I'm like, great, you know, and like the baby owl is probably more exposed now because there's less people. And, and, you know, but one day I looked out the window, I just got this whole message, like, go look out the window. And as soon as I went, her and her, her girls were walking by my house. And I, you know, I talked to her and I went out and I saw the, saw the girls for a little bit and whatnot. And 
she said, thank you. That just made me feel so much better just seeing you for a little bit. So it's paying attention to those little moments of like, what does make you feel better right now? Right. And what is really draining or depleting you? I know for me, like if I'm on social too much, super drained, super depleted. So that's something I have to cut out. Right. That's something I need to change. And when you cut some things out and you let go, and I do believe that we are being asked to live with a little bit more, I mean, excuse me, a little bit less right now. That's why we have less. We have to learn because the pace that we were going and the consuming that we were doing was unsustainable. Mm-hmm. And this is a way for us to reprioritize, like we talked about, know that relationships and family are what we truly in our hearts fill us the most. Um, and if we have to do a little bit less work, you know, and then, or be super productive in the time we do have at work rather than more scattered, we do it. And then if we cut off a few minutes here, we can have that for ourselves, but then we try to fill it with stuff. So like one of the moms that I was coaching, I said, you know, can you take, you know, any time that your son's on FaceTime with his dad and you're in the house, can you take that 30 minutes? I know you normally want to do dishes and clean the house, but can you go into your room, close the door and have a little sanctuary set up for yourself where you can journal, you know, she pulls cards and meditates and whatnot, but it's like, what do you need in that 30 minutes? And then right now it's looking like 15, that's enough. Like, can that be enough? And, and make even five minutes, like I'll do one minute meditation sometimes with super busy executives because that's what they have. You know, mm-hmm. they have one minute between meetings, <laughs> if that. And so it really is about how do you get creative and how do you become present um, and then pay attention to what what is bringing you joy and add in more of that. And be willing to let go of the stuff that depletes you. And it's knowing what that is, right? So it may look like journaling once a week on where you felt like you let your energy go and where you feel like you gained some energy because you need your energy right now. We all do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's making me think of kind of just this idea of faith that whatever you need will come yes. and that might be a walk outside when you feel like it's the last thing you need. Um, and so kind of trusting that this is where I'm supposed to be right now. And trust me, I am so frustrated when I am laying in my baby's cage with him and I hear my phone pinging because my work's asking me questions and I can't get to the computer, but I'm like, you're getting to lay in a cage right now and you have an excuse. And this is exactly what your kid needs right now. And you're being able to rest your body. So Um, I think it's also the perspective of like, um, not just having the faith that whatever you need will come, but being grateful that like what you did need did come. Maybe exactly what you needed to do was go for that walk. Maybe exactly what you needed to do was lay in that cage with your baby and watch baby Einstein for the 50 millionth time. (laughs) Like maybe this is what your, your body needs. And just questioning that is really interesting to me because we just run on this autopilot of thinking we know what we need, but really it's based on what is expected of us and, you know, what we responsibilities that we've added onto our plate. But to really listen to what we need, sometimes it takes like a door being slammed in our face and like, you know, us being shaken, like you're stopping and you're not doing what you think you need, because I'm going to, you know, kind of show you what you actually need. And I think that that goes back to the opportunities you were talking about as kind of really looking in at like, is this an opportunity to see what my body needs, what my life could look like and how I can make it work and have faith that what I need will be given to me. Yes. I love that. Yes, it is so much about having faith and trust. I've thought to myself, like, what if I run out of toilet paper? Like, what is going to happen? And I heard the guidance. It will show up. 
it will just show up. Someone will somehow, one of the people who are hoarding, will give you toilet paper. But it's that, it's that kind of thing, like can we trust fully that what we need will show up? And can we also be a little intentional about it, which is whether it's through prayer or staining an intention, or journaling and being like, what is it I need? So one of the things I have women do is do a needs assessment because we sometimes forget what we need. So it's writing down two, maybe three max under mental. What do you need mentally? What do you need physically? What do you need emotionally? And what do you need spiritually? And then kind of giving yourself, like when I did this recently, I'm like, oh, I've given myself pretty much all of this except for one or two things. So now I know where I, I need to spend a little bit more of my time. But, you know, giving yourself even a rating on one to 10, I'm like, how much are you, is that need being met, right? And those are different from wants. You know, my want right now is to go to a coffee shop and work. My want right now is to go to a restaurant and have sushi. That's a want though, right? That is yeah. not a need. Yeah. So, you know, a need looks very differently. A need is what gives your, your oxygen, honestly, right? Mm. And so um, a need is for me, like, Vitamin C's and water are like part of my diet right now. They're crucial for staying healthy because if, if we're not healthy, everything around us falls apart. There is no more work. There is no more kids there. I mean, there, there is, but there's not, you're out. Right. And so I think that, that we needed that prioritization that our health and our body and our taking care of ourselves has to come first. And, you know, it's that whole put your oxygen mask on before you put a child's on, on the plane, because Truly, if you don't, you're both, you both could go. So we have to look at it kind of with that seriousness, but without, without the fear um, that we really have to stay in a place of prioritizing our health. And that to me is also our, our mental and our emotional well-being. And the more we tell ourselves a story of this is hard or this is unfair or this is... Um, impossible, the more we actually start to create that. So mm. it's, it's okay to acknowledge it. One of the best things one of my best friends did to for me when I was younger was five minute pity parties. So like after a breakup, I wanted to like belabor how difficult it was. And she goes, five minutes, go for it. And literally you can do this like five minutes, get it all out, kick, scream, have your childhood temper tantrum as an adult. Like, it's not fair. It shouldn't happen. I want to go have my whatever it is. <laughs> Let it all out. Be in the emotion because we can't stuff the emotions. Like, you know, right. when we feel fear and anxiety, it's good to address it and be with it. But like, so that five minute pity part, and then it's, and then she'd be like, what do you want to do right now? And I'd be like, well, let's go do that. Like, you know, and you create your new, your new normal, you create your new story. Um, because we can't keep running these scripts, which become neural pathways of this is hard, this sucks, because then reality creates that. Yeah, that's, uh, so I love that. And I like that you're talking about prioritizing yourself. And it makes so much sense, especially with the your oxygen mask first, we always say, you know, you need to take care of you so that you it's actually not selfish at all, because then you're able to show up more for those in your life. But it is easier said than done. How do you, you know, I know that there are people right now where they have work that is demanding things of them, or even uh, in the foster world, um, there's been a huge call and an increased pressure for foster families to take in kids because more foster families are refusing to take in kids, understandably, because, you know, of worry um, of health threats to their family. So now there's this kind of pressure to step up to step up into your community, to step up at work because, hey, we're doing cuts and you want to seem valuable, to, to step up in whatever, whatever way. And when you know it's not aligned with you, when you know, like, listen, I, I'm not going to be able to show up because I do need to take care of myself. What does that look like? And, and I will just preface that with, I am so such an all or nothing person. And I've dealt <laughs> with this with my, like my spiritual intuitive that I talked to, but she's like, it doesn't mean like quit your job. Like it doesn't need right. to be like either you're employed or you're not like it can mean somewhere in the middle. So how do you, how do you, um, 
say no, set boundaries, and take care of yourself without being a little too like, she said it, put on my oxygen mask first. I'm not doing anything for the next six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's so great. You know yourself that well. Right. And I have, I've been called out on my own black and white thinking of it's this or it's that. And you know, it's part of being type A or intense, but it's also just that energy of like passion. I think too, there's like the positive side of that. Boundaries are a work in progress for so many of us. We have to first give ourselves credit that we did not have great role models, most of us, from our family. I work with so many women on boundaries with the horses, and it's something I work on myself quite a bit. Um, and I laugh now, and I'm like, oh, it's another boundary lesson, you know, because it's like you can't get upset about it. It's just something where it's like you can joke and just be like, oh, well, I'm back to learning boundaries again, right? But ultimately what no comes from, so if you, if we know ourselves well, we know when we're in hell no or a hell yes, and it really can be that big of a, of a difference, mm -hmm. meaning it's, um, and what I would encourage everyone to really think about right now is it's like, We've gotten kind of the hell no put on us because of what we have to do and in staying inside. Sure. And so on the opposite side of that, what is that, you know, kind of hell yes. And I'm sorry, I keep using these words, but like that strong yes. And it is life, right? It's life. You want your life to continue. You want your children's life to continue. What's it going to take? Right. And, um, Part of what I'm doing with some of the women who are working much harder right now is I'm like, if you, if this, if the hustle can't end now, right? If that, if that, like, I have to prove myself, I have to, have to, have to, I should, I should, doesn't end now. When's it ever going to end? We're mm -hmm. getting permission. And I believe that unless you're working for someone that is completely, um, I don't know, clueless, I don't know what the right word is that person has to understand that these are unique times and that this is that there has to be more compassion leaders have to realize that yes well work needs to get accomplished it doesn't need to be accomplished at the expense of someone's health or the expense of someone's relationship and um, good employers know that and they'll take care of their people and so yeah it doesn't mean that we have to quit but what i found is this as someone who's always given 110 percent my dad was in HR for a long time and he would actually say to me, what if you gave 80% because your 80% is most people's hundred percent or, you know, 60% right. or whatever. Cause I would, I would do a lot more than I needed to. And so part of it is what is this kind of hero or heroine complex we have, where we have to do it all, or we have to prove something. And what if we could, what the horses said to me the other day was bless the mess. What if we could be, it's okay that things are a little messy. It's okay if I haven't done my dishes today, I'll do them tomorrow and not beat yourself up for it. Um, and to be honest with work, like today I'm having a hard day, I'm gonna do the best I can. No one is ever gonna argue with you saying, I'm gonna do the best I can, I am committed. And sometimes that's all employers need to hear. Committed, I'm gonna do the best I can. And I need some slack and I need some flexibility right now, not forever. Right. And then if that employer is compassionate, it's the right employer. And if they push you to the point where you're going to lose things that are dear to you, it's probably not. But then you have to, um, you know, set yourself up for what is the right thing for you. And it can take some time. So you look on the side of where you are and you set yourself up for a path that fits you. But right now, what we're learning is we're not here to live our lives for other people. Mm. Just not. We are here for our own. If we take care of ourselves, that's what I love about the lead mare. The lead mare and the horse herd has to take care of herself first for survival. For survival. And then when she's, she, her needs are met, she's there to take care of the rest of the herd. And so we have to kind of come into self-leadership and, and, really get to that point if it takes it this is life or death right and i know women who've created illnesses so they could learn this lesson and i don't we don't need to go there right so 
I could go on about this clearly, but well, it's really, really helpful, especially for my, the people that listen to this podcast, because whether they are foster adoptive parents or they are social workers or they're program directors in an equine facility, they are all the type of people to give. Yeah. And I myself have thought like, Oh, I don't, there's, you know, so many charities right now trying to raise money for different people, either individuals or different, uh, causes. And I've been like, I don't really, I don't, I don't really know where money should go, or I don't know when I'm getting my paychecks already been cut. So I'm like, I don't know if I should hold on to it. And then I'm like, where's the scarcity mindset coming from? You know, should I be less? It's doubting myself. It's uncertain. And I feel like I love, I feel like you just gave me permission to survive and to not live for others because I think a lot of people might feel like their purpose was to live for others. Yeah. And unpacking that and not feeling selfish to live for yourself. That's a big topic. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to ask ourselves, why do we rescue? And I imagine in the foster world, there's that element of heroine or hero of rescuing especially a child. And I see it in rescue with animals too, right? But it's not sustainable in a horse. I'll talk for a second about horse rescue because I worked in it for a while. It's, it's not sustainable in a horse rescue if you put all of the animals at, up and above yourself because then you can't show up and get them taken care of and you can't show up and raise the funds for them. And so now all of a sudden these animals might have to go somewhere else to a bad situation because you didn't put you first. So this is the thing, like we have to really extrapolate, take away this whole kind of complex of, I have to serve others at the expense of myself. We will Mm -hmm. serve others to the best of our ability when our cup is full. And I know this from experience. I have served from depletion and I have served from a full cup and they are wildly different levels of service. And the, de- the serving from depletion, ultimately there's resentment, there's frustration, there's doubt, there's judgment. And so while we might be serving, we're still running all those negative things with it mm-hmm. versus giving from that kind of overflow, right? Which is, you know, you may want to wait till your bank account is at a certain level before you give. And that, because then you feel like you're giving from the overflow, you can give freely. Mm-hmm. And that is for each person an individual choice, but um, it's different. I know when we have parents, cause we are gonna give at times when we're depleted because of sleep cycles. The biggest thing I work with parents on is like, what can you do to be ruthless about protecting your sleep? Because if you get good sleep, you can take better care. And I know it's so hard, but, um, but what can we do to make it easier, right? Because that giving from the overflow is true service. Otherwise, we are looking at levels of martyrdom, right? And we don't love that word, but we have to be really mindful of the, 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 the range between martyrdom and narcissism and where do we fall kind of in this middle, which is balance of I've given to myself first because I'm an important being, and then I give to this important being, and there's... Um, there's real synergy there, right? There's, there's a greater good that's going to come from that. So I know I'm getting a little esoteric, but hopefully it makes sense. And I just it still feel, makes sense. okay. Yeah. I just feel like we have to, we have to make ourselves a priority. It's by no means selfish. It took me years to overcome that belief system. And, um, I now really fully get it being in quarantine that it's like, and you know what it is for me? I have, I've had 10 friends call me that want to talk and they probably want potentially to share their upset and what, of what's going on. And I haven't called them back. And the mm. old me would have been like, you have to do it. You have to help people. You have to be there. You need connection. You need friends. And I am so protective of my energy right now mm. because I know what it's going to take to get through this time. And I, and I'm my clients and myself come first. And then I have to kind of put the friends and whatnot to the side for now, not forever, but it's a choice I've made just to kind of keep my own energy as clean as it can be. 
So do you ever go with, through with your clients? Like, I know this seems like super elementary, but like, oh, what fills your cup list? Yes. And like doing this, like check, like, I feel like sometimes, you know, I'm a woman and I have hormones and sometimes when I don't eat and all these things. So like, sometimes I feel like it's like on a five minute basis of like <laughs> checking, like, are my needs met? Yes. Um, because you can forget, like I, you can forget to eat. And then you're like, wow, I was just really snippy with a one-year-old, you know? So doing this like self inventory of, cause I can imagine, I can hear moms that I serve being like, cool, it'll take me 10 years to get my damn cup full. Like, you know, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I hear you. I thought that too, but no, no. Okay. So the, the fastest way to get your cup full is sleep, water, food, and exercise to the best of your ability. Right. I know. And that, and then the other is some form of connection with yourself, higher self intuition, God, whatever you call it, just some sort of connection even if it's five minutes, hand on heart. So one of my favorite techniques is heart breathing, which is if you picture your heart having a mouth and like just taking a minute and putting your hand on your heart and breathing in and out, we'll drop out of the busy and the head spin energy, which is so easy for me to get into with everything. And that can help recenter just in a moment. And you're right, it can be every five minutes, but like a full cup. See, this is where also we have these belief systems. And I did too. Like, like the perfect me is this like super centered, peaceful, always feminine and flowing, like goddess, like creature that walks the earth. And everyone's like, Oh no, that is not it. It's, it's in this moment doing the best I can and not judge myself or someone else. Mm. And if I catch myself working with forgiveness really quickly and forgive myself for that, and choosing again, it's every little conscious choice, you know, and it's never going to be perfect. And we're never going to have, I mean, like, I have never been able to do a hundred percent perfect on my self-care. I have a self-care tracker, which I'm happy to share if it helps, but it's, it's, it's like, but can I give myself credit that I hit like 50% or 60% or 70%, you know, some days that I get out of bed and that I like made myself a meal, whatever it might be it's that laser focus of like, give yourself credit for what is working because it will grow, right? Gratitude, one minute of gratitude with your kid. What are you grateful for today? This is what I'm grateful for. See, this is what's interesting about kids and partners, especially kids. You can do some of your spiritual practices or some of your self-care practices with kids. Mm -hmm. Let's do a water drinking contest, right? Whatever it takes. Let's do, you know, let's drink, how much water can we drink in the next five minutes, right? You can play games with kids and get some of the self-care needs met, right? I want to take a nap. I'm going to take a nap with you. Go take a nap with the kid. Don't think about all the other things you have to do. Take a nap. So, um, yeah. And I'll tell you this, this is something that I've noticed so clearly lately, which is that kids are really mirroring. They always have, but I'm noticing it more now because we're all in close quarters. Kids are really mirroring what's going on with the adults. So if you see your kid start to really act um, angry for no reason or bored or wants to get super creative, just check in with yourself and be like, do I also have that need, right? Mm. Do I also have that need right now? And if you do, you know, can you punch a pillow in your room or go into your car, put music on and scream and let it out? You know, what, if that, if it's anger, if it's creativity, can you stop and do an art project with your kids, right? Mm -hmm we will never get this time back. And this is like the biggest blessing to have this much time, especially for those that worked out of the home. It's the biggest blessing in the world to have this much time with their kids. You'll never get this time back. So if you think of it almost like a forced vacation from your office, instead of any levels of punishment or unfairness, it will change your perspective completely. And so, and that's a lot of what this is right now is can we just change our perspective moment to moment throughout the day um, and give ourselves as much credit as possible? Because it is, it is hard right now on a lot of levels. And so we have to just be like, I'm going to give myself permission to not do that right now. I'm going to give myself credit because I did do that. 
and and not just the doing but the being which you know we've talked about is instead of thinking about the conference call when you're on the work on the walk how can you be 100% focused on like you were here's this look at this house like fully focused in the present moment because that's usually all kids want from us they don't need us 24/7 by any means but in the one hour that we're with them they want us 100% there I've worked with parents and kids who've had some challenges working with the horses. And the first thing I'll say is, I need you to put your phone away for that 20 minutes that you're with them when you do that. It's like, I spend all this time with my kids. I'm like, you do, but you're on your phone and you know it and they don't feel you. And, mm. and even if they, they're not seeing you on your phone, but your head is thinking about work, they also know it. And what they learn is that they're not a priority or that you don't really focus on them. And so when you're at work, be at work. When you're with your kids, be with your kids. And I, and I know it sounds simple and easy, and it's not easy the first five times or 10 times, but then all of a sudden you'll go, oh, I got it. I get this present thing. I'm noticing this house and I'm noticing this owl and like, I'm here, I've landed, I'm in the moment. So hopefully. I, lo I love that. <laughs> and tell us a little bit about the work that you do with equines and even if people can't access, you know, your services because they're national or whatever, um, I, we do want to highlight the fact that equines are a powerful therapeutic tool, not just for kids and not just for kids who have trauma, but for anyone, any adult, um, and they are great facilitators of healing and growth. And so I'd love you to talk about your work and then maybe this is an opportunity for parents to, or mentors or anyone that listens, social workers, to be able to find kind of a untraditional therapeutic space for them near where they live. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I can't technically call myself an equine therapist, although that's the common word, but I have a master's in spiritual psychology and I bring in communication skills and intuitive skills to coaching really. So life and career coaching mostly. Um, the horses have been in my life my whole, forever since I was a kid and they have always been kind of my therapist as I know they are for many but their way of being is role modelship for what I believe a new humanity can move to, which is really deeper relaxed states. And relaxation is one of the best things to help with trauma, right? The self-regulation of the nervous system to be able to um, move out of that fight flight or you know, freeze energy. And the horses show us so quickly, even as prey animals, that if they get upset, they can come back to grazing very quickly. So just being around them, their hearts are five times the size of ours. They are incredibly healing, nourishing, and they see us with unconditional love. And so for a lot of people, just being with a horse and being seen by a horse is a game changer. Women often have beautiful emotional releases because they need to like let go of the stuff they've been carrying and some of the heartbreak and one of the things I love is in Horse Boy, um, the movie and also the book, they, they, he learned a process working with horses about somatic poses on the horse, but also on the ground to help his autistic child. And what he does is he doesn't just take care of the kids, he always takes care of the humans, the parents, the caretakers, because he knows that the kid can become, um, more self-regulated, so to speak. But if the parents are also not so stressed out, sad, worried, upset, that they also can bring, they'll bring that to the relationship. So I mostly, I do work with kids and I do work outside of Boulder, Colorado and Los Angeles, California. And I travel to different ranches as well for workshops and, and events. But I also am starting virtual because this is like one of the silver linings um and so i've done some of that and the horses are still on it the horses have wisdom sharings for people and not just what we notice when we're like if they were behind us watching them and, and picking up some awareness from them how how they communicate to us is still very present through virtual so i'll be doing more of that um, for the time being but yeah they are incredibly helpful and i think so many times i see parents invest in their kids 
And I'm like, oh, but I just want that mom to come and have 30 minutes, an hour of her time. And, and that if she can realize some things about her and get her energy kind of cleaned up and healthier and get her cup filled, his horses fill cups in minutes, not in mm. 10 years. They fill it in minutes. I wish I could be that great at helping people fill their cups that quickly, but horses do it like that for people. So I want that experience for them. And then all of a sudden people always say they, they leave lighter. And that's really part of my mission on the planet is like, can we help people feel lighter? Because that's what I want. We don't, we have so much heaviness from all the stuff we've been through and what we're going through right now adds another layer of heaviness. But if we intentionally work with this stuff um, and we're willing to let it go and we're willing to change, we can become lighter. So we have some people that may be listening that bring their kids to equine therapy or to stable moments program or to an equine facility. We also have people on here that run equine programs. So let's say a parent or uh, a facility isn't able to actually access a program for adults. If my program directors had a parent coming on to their property where there wasn't gonna be structured programming for them, yeah. or if you had a parent that was going on to a facility where there isn't structured programming for them, would you just tell them to like seek out <laughs> a connection by, you know, going up to a fence and, and checking the horses out? Yes. Yes. I love that. And if, is, if your facility is flexible with that, I mean, everyone's signing a release to be on your property anyways at a facility, but if you are really working with the kid and there's a way that you can encourage the parent to kind of have a, you know, a comfy seat on the outside across a fence from where a horse lives, whether it's even in a stall or if it's a pasture or whatever it is, and just set them up there and encourage them, you know, to, um, you know, give them a journal to write, to draw and give them a chance to close their eyes and see if they can connect in with a horse through meditation or just mindfulness. Um, or if you know your horses are really easy and safe and, you know, then even allow them to touch and pet a horse. My favorite exercise is just eye to eye, like connecting your eyes into the eyes of a horse. And usually that's enough for the soul connection for people to have like emotional movement and, um, energy clearings and healings. And one of my favorite stories is I had this kid, he was working on bullying stuff and we were painting a horse and we were in a large round pen and he was kind of doing his thing, but his, um, his mom wanted to watch outside the fence. And within 10 minutes of us, you know, working with the, my mare, she went right over to the mom and just stood there with her head over the fence, kind of almost in this mom's lap. And the mom just, you know, started crying and just really had an experience of, Oh, I needed that. I need, you know, I needed, had gone through like a divorce and whatnot, needed to be seen, needed to have someone come to caretake her or be there for her. And that created such a huge movement. And now I try really hard to um, ask parents to come in with their kids, at least for a little bit, even just for a couple minutes, um, because I want to kind of create the connection through the horse with them and bridge everyone as best as I can. But Yes, just a few minutes, even if you don't think you like horses, even if you're afraid of horses, give yourself the possibility of what might happen when another caretaker takes care of you for a few minutes and just see what it does to your system because you deserve it and it will be, it can be life-changing. It has been for many people. Yeah, I, I will do this exercise sometimes where I approach a horse and I'm it may be completely outside of the of the pen or the pasture. And I just say in my mind, like, tell me more about you, or I want to learn more about you. And I just become a little observational, like, okay, you're swishing, you're enjoying this day. And like, it really turns into this really present, like, first, just observing wow, like they're really present. They're enjoying this day. They are grazing. They are, so it kind of, it, that relieves some agenda or pressure right there. But it's crazy to me how many times I've experienced this, like them enveloping 
all the other stuff I brought. Yes. And, and I feel like when I open with like, tell me about you, like, I want to get to know you a little bit. They reciprocate with this, like, there's a lot about you here, <laughs> you know, yeah. and you're like, you're like, oh, wow. You know, and leaving the, the best word that you use lighter because you connected and horses so willingly uh, take and hold our stuff. And luckily know how to transmute it and release it as well. So, but yes, they do. They know they 100% show up for us. My other favorite thing, I love that because you're being curious. Courses will often say be curious. And so your willingness to be curious created an opening. And what I've seen about horses is most of the time they don't force themselves into trying to help or fix something like the way we do as humans. Like, oh, I have an idea of how this should be better. No, maybe you don't. Maybe maybe allow the person the dignity of their process. But horses, if you're open, which is what you were with them, or how you are with them. And the one I always say to people, it's hard to demonstrate, but just standing with your arms open, not fully out like this, but just down on your side, but with your palms open like that, just showing a receptive pose and just breathing. Horses will contribute so much to you and it's mind blowing. You might feel things in your body start to shift. You might feel um, a pain that you had disappear. It is completely worth being willing to just receive from a horse and saying to a horse, I'm, op I'm open to receive from you. Cause horses, the second they have an opening, they're like, I'm in, I'm here to help you. Most of them. So well, and what, what's really nice about kind of what we're proposing here is the unstructured the un how it is so unstructured like to me if i'm like okay like there's a lot of things that i get offered or i know that people get offered as foster parents as as parents as people you know try this or this therapy worked or you know whatever it is the new diet the new therapy the new and this is just kind of like while you're there see where it brings you like it's really curious and it's an exploration and it doesn't take any more effort right and it can be so beneficial that it's kind of that feels like an easy on-ramp for me at least than like you have to make this appointment and you know if you're already there if you're already in this space see if getting curious and being open helps and then what is beautiful are there are programs like Kate has that actually are designed for yes. growth so tell us where we can, where people can find you and find what you do and maybe follow you on social. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so for the horse, for the program directors, there's, I have a horse resource inspirational Facebook group called Equine Rockstars. So join us there. We're posting great horse stuff. Um, I, my website is currently consciousrockstar.com and that's really because I want to create people who are more grounded and lighter, more rock stars in the world. Um, it will be moving to katenelligan.com in the future. And then I'm on Instagram. I've been posting some fun videos. My whole thing is if I can't bring people to the ranch, I want to bring the ranch to you. So I also work with goats because that not everyone wants to work with horses and they're super fun and playful. So Kate Nelligan equine coach on Instagram. And also on Facebook, you can find me. So I'll be happy to talk to anyone if they have idea, they want program ideas or support during this time. I think, um, you know, my goal is to just kind of try to share as many resources as possible and remind people that the horses in nature are some of the best healing therapy and grounding that you could possibly get. So it's worth, worth the investment. And if you can't do it in person right now, um, you know, definitely check out farms when, when some of the restrictions open. So I love that. Well, this has been a, I feel lighter. Which, Yay! <laughs> I hope my <laughs> listeners feel lighter. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I, it's always nice to be able to connect and to give ourselves even this permission to have this hour to kind of learn more about what we can do for ourselves. And so I love being able to bring that to my listeners. I'll definitely link everything that you um, shared and the different links to your socials and to your websites. I love that you have resources in a Facebook group for uh, equine professionals too, because I know a lot of times people are running things on their own and, and they lack connection even in their typical day to day. This has been so nice. I'm, I'm so glad that we made this connection and that we, we have that for the future now.
Yeah, me too. Thank you so much. I love what you're doing and it's so needed and I don't know anyone that's doing it like you for your audience. So it's so important. So thank you. I'm so grateful that we connected today too. And I hope this helps. So it totally helps. Well, you have a great rest of your day, rest of your week. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. So thank you. All right. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye.